And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. Who's that strange-looking man behind you? That's Carl. I met him at the laundry, man. Sam Spade Detective Agency. Sam, sweetheart. I don't know what to do, Rabbi. Every night he listens to the radio. I can't keep him away. The Lone Ranger, uh, the Shadow, the Master Avenger. Uh, this is not good. It tends to induce bad values, false dreams, lazy habits. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? <laughs> Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including trivia contests and games, movie reviews, celebrity interviews, showbiz news, and classic radio shows. My co-host is the vivacious Lisa Wolf. In this hour, we'll present a 1950 classic radio episode of Night Beat, starring Frank Lovejoy. But it's time now for Movie Jeopardy. Lisa Wolf Trebek will play audio clips from popular movies. I'll try to name the movie while you play along at home, right, Lisa? Right, Carlin. We're going to have a special Thanksgiving edition of Movie Jeopardy. Okay. And this was no easy feat, but all of these movies have an element... What about your feet? My feet. <laughs> all of these movies have a Thanksgiving scene at some point. Dr. Uh, Scholes. Uh, Dr. Scholes. No, my feet. <laughs> they have a Thanksgiving scene, um, family, food, friends, home for Thanksgiving okay. break, something they don't necessarily are about Thanksgiving. I would Thanksgiving, think that's a lot of research. I would think that's correct. a lot of research for you. I would think that's correct. <laughs> so instead of spending 15 minutes on all your prep work for this week... You got to spend like 18 minutes. Well, I'm charging time and a half this week for okay. my extra effort. All right. Good. Okay. <laughs> so the you first. You deserve it. <laughs> yes, I do. I deserve a break today. Uh, <laughs> the first one goes back to 2010. All right. Gobble, gobble, everybody. It's turkey time. Oh, that's good. That's, that's a work of art. Thank you very much. Looks great, Greg. <laughs> Thank you, Jack. And to carve it, I thought we might use the beautiful Irish hunting knife emblazoned with the Burns family crest that Jack so thoughtfully brought back for us from his ancestral homeland. Is this? That sounds like Ben Stiller. It sure is. Is this Meet the Fockers? Well, I'm going to give it to you. It's Little Fockers. It's in the Fockers category. (laughs) (laughs) Got to say that very carefully on the radio, too. I didn't Focker up then? (laughs) Not this time. Okay, good. (laughs) So this is the third... And the final film in the Meet the Parents film series. Okay. Okay. And that was the sequel to Meet the Parents. All right. Uh, and Meet the Fockers. Okay. Okay, got it? Yeah. Uh, Robert De Niro, so. Ben Stiller, Owen Wilson, Dustin Hoffman, Barbara Streisand. So we heard Robert De Niro and uh, Ben Stiller in that clip. And right. I gave you a little clue there with the names and the, the Burns family yeah, press and the whole I thing. So great that. job. Thank you. <laughs> Huge box office. Uh, success, even though the critics really panned the film. Mm, I think mm-hmm. we all wanted to see it well, anyways. Well, you have to cook a turkey in a pan, so that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a good one. Okay, moving on. I can tell you really like that one. <laughs> I'm just uh, inside, I'm laughing inside. Gushing with the laughter there. <laughs> I'm laughing inside. Uh, next film is a 2009 drama. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the many blessings on this family. We thank you for bringing us a new friend. And we ask that you look after us on this holiday season, that we may never forget how very fortunate we are. Amen. Amen. 
tin. Collins, can you pass me the green beans, please? Don't pick it with your fingers. Just take take a stu- take. Mm. You didn't see this film. I'm sure I didn't because <laughs> none of it. But everybody else did. Really? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I know. What is it? This is Blindside. Oh, I didn't see that. I know. <laughs> um, but that That's is Sandra a, Bullock. It's Sandra Bullock. That is a great scene where they have um, um, their son. Their no, no, not their son. Quentin they adopted Aaron. Son. Well, yeah. they adopted him much later. But this is yeah. when they first asked him to come home to their right. house and invited right, him right, in right. for a Thanksgiving. I heard dinner. it was a great movie. Just... It's a great film. I keep telling you to see All it, right. but you won't. Do All right, it. I'll put it on my two C list. All right, it's about the story of Michael Orr. So. Uh, it's, if it was real sportsy, I wouldn't have appreciated as much as I yeah. did. So. Okay, sounds good. All right, great. <laughs> good one. Next, <laughs> I'm a little worried about you because it's a 1998 romantic comedy. Oh, forget about Let's it. Let's see how it goes. I'll never get it. I know. Maybe he's fat. He's fat. He's a fatty. I don't care about that. You don't care that he's so fat, he's one of these guys that has to be removed from his house by a crane. You don't care. That is very unlikely. That is completely ridiculous. So what's his handle? Uh, I'm not going to write him. Is that what you're worried about? You think I'm going to email him? All right, NY152. So that sounds like Tom Hanks. It is. And maybe Meg Ryan? Yes, So it that's is. like love letter or like um, <laughs> ma- you got mail? Yes, mail? it I is. T- it is? Uh, Mike and I made a what? bet and we I both were sure you wouldn't get that one. <laughs> I'm shocked at myself. I am shocked. Great job. I did not see this one. We decided you wouldn't get this one correct. Um, Yeah. This was directed by Nora Ephron and starring, uh, starring, of course, Tom Hanks Mm -hmm. and Meg Ryan. Good job. Wow. This is when they were getting together talking about an upcoming potential date that she had. (laughs) 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 Oh, well, good job. I'm I'm really impressed by that. It was very romantic. So far. I didn't see the movie. I just... Of course you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> if it when I read the uh, you know when I read like synopsis, it, it says the word romance, love, right. or getting you know a relationship, you know all that kind of stuff. You're out. It's like it's like eh, I don't want to. I think that's about every other movie. I mean, it's just they're boring. I want right. to see action, right? You know, scary movie. If I'm going to watch a movie, I want to like watch some a... boxing or something. Yeah, you know, right? something, something. Got okay. it. I'll hey, that did you mind. ring the bell? Um, there we go. There you we only got one. You, no, I one ring. Uh, go ahead. Okay. Next is a comedy, 1987. Joker wants to race. Race? That's ridiculous. All right, come on, let's go. Let's go. Put your window down. You want something? Uh, he's probably drunk. You're going the wrong way. <laughs> what? You're going the wrong oh, way! Oh, he's crazy. He says we're going the wrong way. Oh, he's drunk. He's drunk. He's drunk. How do you know where we're going? <laughs> That's right. How does he know where we're going? And of course, they're uh, trying to oh, head to Chicago for you, Thanksgiving. Do you know that? So this is uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. It sure is. And you know that this movie might be... One of, if not the funniest movie ever made. It's definitely one of the Steve funniest Steve Martin movies. said it's his yep. favorite movie of all the really? movies he's ever done. This movie is so genius. 
I mean, you can watch it over and over. It's so funny. I mean, it's I mean, great. I mean, Del Griffith. Ah. What a character. Planes, trains, and automobiles. Absolutely. Written, produced, and directed by? John Hughes. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Next mm-hmm. one. It's uh, this one you've got in the bag. 1976. Okay. Aren't you skating? No, I ain't skating since I was 15. <laughs> I was first started fighting. I was 15. Uh, there, it's a Carl skating movie. Bad for the ankles, you know? No. You're a pretty good skater, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I was saying before on the way over here, you know, fight used to be tossing me, but no more, you know? See, all I wanted to do out of fight was prove I was no bum that I had to stuff to make a good pro, you know? Man. <laughs> I knew It's like, I haven't seen this movie in a while. It's probably in a couple of years. But it is, just, again. Like I know, one of your genius. favorites for sure. So that's Rocky, it Sylvester sure is. Stallone. Right. And, Won the uh, Oscar for Best Picture Talia in Shire there, uh, yep. skating. Exactly. Fantastic right. Received movie. 10 Academy Award nominations, wow. and it won three, including he Best Picture. He wrote it. He yep. starred in it. Yep. I mean, it's, <laughs> I know. this guy is it's super got talented. got your name written all over it. Amazing. All right, just to change gears slightly, we've got one more movie. Let's hear it. Well, one of the greatest traditions we have is the Thanksgiving Day football game. And the biggest, most important tradition of all is the kicking off of the football. Is that right? Absolutely. All right. So that's Charlie Brown. Well, right? I think that was Lucy, though, right? It was like that. That wasn't Charlie Brown talking, right? It was Lucy talking there. Um, that well, it's a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving, right? So that's a conversation. Yeah. Um, and um, right, of course, it's a Charlie Brown. It's after Charlie Brown Christmas and a great pumpkin. Yeah, Charlie Charles Brown. Schultz. He kept then, knocking them out because they were doing that's so right. big. This was the third Huge. one, 1973. Wow. Great job. Yeah. I got all of them except for Blindside. You're all all about Thanksgiving, Carl. Yeah, I love Thanksgiving. (laughs) I know you do. All right, Night Beat is coming your way. Stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Yes, this is Hollywood 360 across uh, more than 100 radio stations coast to coast. And we're here every week playing all your favorite classic radio shows. My co-host is uh, Lisa Wolf, and our executive producer is the great Mike Estella. And we do this because we love it and we love hearing from our listeners. It seems like, you know, we've been on 12 years now, Lisa, almost, I think 13 now years with this show and uh, i think we're we haven't even i think we're just just getting our stride now oh i you think know? we had our stride a few years i back. think we have <laughs> another 70 80 more years to, wow. uh, of this well you may need a new co-host at some point <laughs> <laughs> it's feeling like an awfully long time to sit here but i'll you know stick around for a little Isn't while <laughs> it nice when our listeners let us know you know they, they they contact us and say oh we love this or we love that very rarely do we have anyone that says they don't like something. And so it is a, rare. And even when feeling. we do, it really it's good to open up a conversation either way. So we do appreciate the communication. Oh, we do. we, we, we yeah. obviously prefer the positive ones, but we prefer the yeah. conversation. Lisa can't handle any kind of criticism, <laughs> though. So, so don't send true. anything bad. It's usually your fault, though, Carl. That's true. Lisa, exactly. But yeah, Lisa's not good with criticism. So no, that's don't. not true. Anyway, time now for <laughs> Nightbeat. This was a newspaper drama. Came to NBC Radio in 1950. 
Frank Lovejoy played Randy Stone, reporter for the Chicago Star. This was set in Chicago, although it was broadcast out of Los Angeles. He covered the night beat roaming the Windy City in search of human interest stories for his column. Kind of a good idea. It's how he, you know, and then they would dramatize. He'd meet someone on the Windy City streets. Um, great supporting actors in this. Joan Banks, Parley Bear, William Conrad, Paul Fries. Actually, Frank Lovejoy was married to Joan Banks, so they worked together on this show a lot. This uh, lasted a couple years, and we have an episode for you now called uh, Harlan Matthews Stamp Dealer from May 29, 1950. This was sponsored by Wheaties, the breakfast of champions, along with Crust Quick. I don't know what Crust Quick was. I'm guessing, I don't know. It's a tongue twister is what it is. Crust Quick. All right, here's <laughs> part one now of Night Beat. Wheaties presents Night Beat. <laughs> On stage tonight from Hollywood, Nightbeat, another in the Wheaties' big parade of exciting half-hour presentations. Nightbeat. Hi, this is Randy Stone. I cover the night beat for the Chicago Star. Stories begin in many different ways. This one began and ended with a confession. A confession to the crime of murder. Night Beat, starring Frank Lovejoy as Randy Stone. You can't keep a finger on a city's pulse without having some of its sweat and tears rub off on you. But sometimes the difference between turning a corner or going straight ahead, opening a door or passing it by, is all that separates safety from danger, horror from happiness, or life from death. Tonight the difference lay in whether I should or should not get a shave before starting on my nightly tour of duty. I decided on the shave. Usually, I go to a barber shop on the fifth floor of the Conway building in the heart of the loop. By the time I got there, however, it was after six and the elevator operators had all gone. Two of the lifts were still operating on a self-service basis, so I got in one and pushed the button for the fifth floor. The elevator was almost to the fourth floor level when a sudden yelling drew my attention to the little window in the elevator door. I pressed the emergency stop. A tall, thin-faced man had been lunging at someone out of vision. If there was ever murder on a man's face, it was on his. I saw you talking to the FBI. You told them. I brought the elevator down to the floor level without stopping to think what I might be getting myself into. When the doors opened, I saw them rolling around the corridor ahead in a desperate struggle. The tall man was on top. His left hand flailing at the other's face with a briefcase, while with his right he was trying to drive a long, thin blade into the other's chest. Help! Don't! Holland, please! Hey, drop that knife! The human beanpole saw me coming and scrambled to his feet. So he told you to, huh? He told you! Oh, pal. I'll kill him! Take it easy. Take your hands off me! I'll kill you! He slashed at my face as I threw up my arm. The point of his blade snagged in my sleeve and jerked out of his hands. 
He darted for the elevator and I ran after him in the best tradition of Frank Merriwell saving the game for dear old Yale. My form may have been All-American, but my flying tackle was all wet. His heel caught me in the head and I fell on my face, lost in the stars. Are you... Are you hurt? Oh, no, no, I'm just stupid. Every time I try to borrow trouble, I always find my credits... Here, let me... Let me help you up. Uh, I'm terribly sorry. Oh, thank you, thank you. I'm... I'm all right. How about you? No, he didn't hurt me. Well, he was sure trying. He a friend of yours? Will you come into my office and let me dress that bruise on your cheek? I'm Dr. Reichel. Well, I'm Randy Stone. You better give the police a ring right away. That fellow's a maniac. Who is he, anyway? Oh, he's one of my patients. That's, That's my office over there. No, one moment. Let's not forget our evidence. This knife he dropped. Well, it isn't a knife. It's a letter opener. He took it off my desk. A letter opener? Mm-hmm. Well, that's different. What was he trying to do? Open you with it? Oh, now, please, come in. I'll, I'll put something on that bruise and try to explain. Thank you. Uh, let's see. A little methylate should fix that up. Yeah. Uh, I can't tell you how deeply I appreciate what you did. Oh, oh it was nothing. He was only trying to kill you. Now, will you uh, hold still a moment? Yeah. Yeah. You see, the man is my patient, a disordered personality. Are you an alienist, Doctor? Uh, yes, my field is psychiatry. But from what I saw, your patient is more than a disordered personality. He's a homicidal maniac. And I'm Mr. Stone. Well, aren't you going to call the police? Or do I have to? Oh, please. No, what happened was just an accident. An accident? This hole in my sleeve wasn't made by Moore's doctor. He tried to knife me, too, remember? Well, only because he identified you with me. Now, it's not too unusual in a case of this sort for a patient to transfer his persecution complexes against the doctor who is treating him. Mm, Yes, but... But uh, what happened tonight is entirely my fault. I was so encouraged over certain other developments that I overlooked the extent of his immediate hysteria. So, uh, what happens if he comes back and kills you? Do you uh, get a medal? No, he won't try. Not again. I can assure you. All I ask is that you don't report this incident. To have him arrested would destroy my chances of curing the poor fellow. Now, you won't, will you? Well, oh, uh, okay, Doc. You probably know what you're doing, I hope. Who is he, anyway? What's his name? Ah, now, Mr. Stone. Please. I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay, Doc. They say a guy is only as big as the things that annoy him. And he's kind of tough when the annoyance is six feet four and has a knife that makes him even bigger. Well, it just goes to show you. A few seconds earlier, a few seconds later, I'd have gone right up and had a shave from a barber. As it was, I arrived just in time for a close shave at the hands of fate. She was at my elbow again, I guess, when I took the elevator back down into the lobby. Only this time, fate was in the flesh, and a lot of it. Oh, excuse me. Hey, you dropped this yet? What? This briefcase. I was cleaning him back when I see him come in. When I come out, this briefcase is lying by the elevator. I just finished cleaning, so I know it's not here before. It's yours. Harlan Matthews. Huh? I, uh, just looking at the name stamped on the leather. No, it isn't mine, but I know whose it is. It's one of Dr. Reichel's patients upstairs. I'll be glad to go up again and bring it to him. Oh, thank you. I'm late finishing here already. Harlan Matthews. I'd heard the doctor call him Harlan. It was the same man in the same briefcase he'd been using to bash Dr. Reichel over the head. As the elevator doors opened on the fourth floor, the doors of another elevator slammed shut and started down. 
I found Dr. Reichel's office locked and the light out. Obviously, he'd just left. I went down to the street level again, but the city had swallowed him up. I looked inside the briefcase. It contained a heavy album of foreign stamps belonging to Harlan Matthews. A phone book in the corner drugstore showed two numbers for Matthews, his home and his business. I tried his home. Hello? I'd like to speak to Harlan Matthews. Oh, he's not in. Is there any message? Is this Mrs. Matthews? Yes. Your husband left a briefcase in the Conway building and... The Conway building? Have, Have you seen him there? This isn't Dr. Reichel, is it? No, Mrs. Matthews. My name is Stone. However, I did see your husband at Dr. Reichel's office just a little while ago. Why, I just phoned there. Well, you must have just missed him. Well, where is Harlan now? He's coming home, isn't he? Have you tried his office? There's no answer. Isn't he coming home? Well, that I don't know. Dr. Reichel may be able to tell you. Oh, I've been trying to get him at his home for the last two hours. He never keeps his office open this late. I just called him on the bare chance that he might be there. Uh, Mrs. Matthews, why does your husband hate Dr. Reichel? Oh, well... Harlan is sick. He doesn't know what he's saying. Well, then, uh, what does he imagine? I don't know. I don't know. He won't tell me. It's since the war. It's something to do with the war, something that happened. I don't know what it is. He's sick. Yes, of course, Mrs. Matthews. Well, I'll drive over with the briefcase. I just called to be sure that somebody'd be home. The Matthews lived in a small apartment on the north side. I barely touched the doorbell before I heard her footsteps almost running to open it. She was a faded little woman just this side of middle age. Behind her in a crib, a baby was crying. Mrs. Matthews, I'm Randy Stone. Uh, the briefcase... Oh, Mr. Stone, I need help. What's wrong, the baby? No, it's Harlan. He just phoned. He's at his office. The way he talked, I think he's going to kill himself. Please, you're a friend of his, aren't you? You've, you've just got to stop him. All right, where's your telephone? Why? Well, the police can get to him a lot quicker than we oh, can. No. no, he warned me that if I sent Dr. Reichel to the police, he'd kill them and himself. Well, okay, then, let's go. Oh, my baby. If we're not too late already. Oh, I can't. I can't. My baby is so sick. I just can't leave her. I can't. All right, Mrs. Matthews, it's all right. You stick here. I'll handle it. Shut that baby up. Oh, that Gosh. crying. It's its its really, as a mom, I feel like it's difficult to hear that Put crying. Put a pacifier in that kid's mouth. <laughs> man, oh man. Or give it a bottle or something. <laughs> There's something else they could do, really? too. What's yeah. that? <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's the first portion of Night Beat, starring Frank Lovejoy. More of Hollywood 360 after this short break. Hi, Carl Amari here. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Shadow, Jack Benny, Gunsmoke, Dragnet, Suspense, and Burns and Allen, consider becoming a member of the Classic Radio Club. Each month, members receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows in superior sound quality, along with historical liner notes and photos of their radio stars. The 10 shows I'll send you will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. Members also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour holiday 
Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Lisa Wolf and I co-host. The digital links never expire, so you can listen to Hollywood 360 and Radio Rarities whenever you'd like. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. And when you join the Classic Radio Club, there's no long-term commitment. You can cancel at any time. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Folks, we have a club, and I'd love you to consider joining it. You get a lot of things when you're a member of the Classic Radio Club. You not only get the podcast of this show sent to you every Monday, which means the full five-hour Hollywood 360 show is sent to you as part of your club membership. And uh, so that's that's like, um, I don't know, 20-something classic radio shows a month sent to you because we air five every week. Then you get 10 more classic radio shows that we choose for the classic radio club members. Those are all digitally remastered. They sound amazing. We send you a booklet that has detailed liner notes, historical notes about the shows, photos of the stars. That all comes to you either via digital download every month or you can get a five-CD set sent to your home. Now, a lot of people, and I think this is great, give this as a gift to someone, maybe your your um, sister or your mother or your grandmother or whatever. It's a great gift because... You get something every single month. And a lot of people, they you know, when they join, they say, well, here's my address, but send it here, you know, to another state. We do that all the time for Classic Radio Club members. It's a great gift. Christmas is right around the corner. You might want to consider joining for yourself or maybe um, signing someone up that uh, you want them to get the Classic Radio Club. But learn all about it because it's only a dollar the first month to join. And uh, you can experience it for a month. If for any reason you want to cancel, you just cancel. There's no obligation. We cancel your card immediately if you say cancel it. But in the meantime, you will receive the podcast plus the classic radio shows. Lisa likes the digital. She gets them on digital, right, Lisa? I actually don't have anywhere to listen to CDs anymore. Yeah. So I do prefer the digital. I, I It's easier to store for me. It takes up less space. Uh-huh. But I understand that you and Mike prefer the CDs and yeah. the visual option. Of I, that. Like, I like to put it right on my shelf. <laughs> Mike's the same way. He likes getting... We get. It's a really great CD set that you get each and every month. The color changes of each one, but they look exactly the same, you know, and then you get 10 new shows and the booklets are great. You become a collector that way. Yeah. So, uh, folks, check it out, maybe for yourself or as a gift. Go to ClassicRadioClub.com. ClassicRadioClub.com. It's all there. All right, we're listening to Nightbeat. This is called Harlan Matthews Stamp Dealer. From May 29, 1950, Frank Lovejoy starring. Here's the conclusion. Harlan Matthews' business address was a third-floor shop in a third-class shopping district. The dry goods store on the street level was still open for business. Its long awning still hung over the sidewalk in memory of the recent May Day sunshine. The windows above it were all dark except one on the third floor. The lettering on it read, H. Matthews, stamps bought and sold. I climbed two flights to the third-floor landing. The doors of the stamp emporium were half open. 
Inside, Harlan Matthews was seated at a desk, his thin, bloodless face seeming to stare straight at me. But the light was in his eyes, and I knew he couldn't see too much. Not until I got inside, anyway. Hello, Mr. Matthews. Yes, what is it? I found a briefcase with your name on it. Huh? Well, where is it? Your wife has it. I I gave it to her. You, you came here just to tell me that? Well, not entirely. Oh, I see. She... She sent you here. Well, look, Mr. Matthews, you have a... Keep your hands on the desk. Don't do it. Drop it. Drop that gun. Let go. Let go, you fool. I'm using the gun on myself. You're not using it on anybody. Drop it. Drop it. I'll take that. Sorry I had to hurt you, Matthews, but you're a lot better off alive than dead, believe me. Why? So you can arrest me? Arrest you? What makes you think I'm a cop? Don't think I'm so blind that I didn't recognize you when you came in here. You tried to jump me at Reichel's office tonight. Waiting out in the car to eat. You think I didn't know what was going on? That Reichel had ratted on me. You've got the doc all wrong. Oh, I have, have I? As if I couldn't see through this stupid act of yours. You and Dr. Reichel trying to help me too, aren't you? All I have to do is talk, don't I? Just relax and talk. Well, what would you like to hear? Look, friend, you don't have to tell me a thing. Yes, why repeat what you know already? Dr. Reichel's already told you everything I ever confided in him. What do you want, a written confession that I shot Captain Claney in the back? Well, I did. Write it down. I'll sign it. Is that what you want? If you don't mind, Details? I... You like details? Look, I... May 6, 1943, two days before we took Tunis, out in patrol. Write it down. I hated him. He was a lousy dog, arrogant, insulting. All right, there it is. Motive, time, place, everything. You satisfied? No, I'm just tired. You feel like talking, talk to the police, not me. I never saw either you or Dr. Reichel before tonight. My name is Stone. I'm with the star. If you doubt it, pick up the phone and find out. The papers? Reichel told the papers? Well, you get this into your head and you'll have it in a nutshell. Reichel never told anybody. All I know is what you've just spouted. You sit here like a broken down ham, dramatizing yourself, dreaming of things that never happened, making like a martyr, feeling sorry for yourself, leaving your wife at home worried sick about you. You got a family to think of. Now go on and get your coat. I'm taking you home. I, I guess maybe you're right. I've been acting like a fool, haven't I? I? I'm sorry. You'll feel lots better in the morning, Mr. Matthews. Now, come on, let's go. Yeah, I'll put things away first. Uh, may I have my gun? You better let me keep it for a while. Oh, you don't have to worry, Mr. Stone. Not anymore. This note on the table, I was writing it to my wife when you arrived, telling her goodbye. Well, I've changed my mind about dying. Well, we all have our bad days. Shall we go? Yeah. Uh, my gun, please. Oh, it's all right, really. Well, okay. Here, I've taken out the cartridges. Souvenirs, you know. Thank you. I'll, I'll put away these catalogs. Uh, would you mind closing that window for me? I walked over to the big window facing the street. It was wide open from the bottom. I reached up to close it just as a soft footstep sounded close behind me. And Matthews me. pushed me over the sill toward the street below. Life, they say, is a continual process of getting used to things we hadn't expected. Like, for instance, getting pushed out of a guy's office window. I hadn't figured Harlan Matthews was that far off the beam, but that, of course, was my fault. From a character as neurotic as Matthews, I should have expected anything. I guess I was out more than a couple of minutes because when I came to, a cop had evidently just arrived on the scene. 
Voices crowded through my head against a backdrop of pain. I stared up at the moon shining brightly through a huge rip in the awning, and I tried to push myself up to a sitting position. And the cop bent over. Easy now, easy. I'll call an ambulance. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Get Matthews. Who? Harlan Matthews, stamp dealer, third floor. He pushed me. Matthews, huh? Just wait here. I took inventory of my legs and arms and found them in usable condition. I climbed to my feet. People crowded around, their voices blending in an unintelligible jumble of questions. I staggered through them toward the cab. Their faces swarmed about me, white and staring like faces in a nightmare. I reached out, found the door handle of my car. I opened it and got in. I sat there for a while, trying to reassemble my wits. My head throbbed with pain and my mouth was dry. I wanted a cold drink more than anything I could think of. So I found my keys and drove to the first drugstore I came to. It was the sight of the phone that made me remember Mrs. Matthews. She'd be anxious to know what happened. I had to tell her something. I rang her number. Hello? Mrs. Matthews, this is Randy Stone. What happened? He didn't... No, 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 I got there in time. Oh, thank God. Where is he? Well, I thought he'd be home by now. Not long ago. Well, when you left him, was he all right? Oh, yeah, he was just swell. You ought to see me. What? I'll tell you what. I'll call Dr. Reichel right now and tell him the situation. He should be... Oh, I got a call from Dr. Reichel just a little while ago. Yeah? That is, it came through a message service. They want Harlan to call Dr. Reichel right away. I called the doctor's office to find out why, but the doctor's not there. He's not at home either. Well, why does Reichel want to see him? Didn't they tell you? No. The message just said that it was... Very important. I invested another nickel in the call to Dr. Reichel's office. There was no answer, so I sat down at the counter and had a cup of coffee. I felt somewhat better by now, although my head still throbbed and I still found it hard to unscramble my thoughts. I went back to the phone booth and called Dr. Reichel's home. Perhaps he'd returned by now. Has Dr. Reichel come in yet? No. No, Dr. Reichel, not here now. Uh, look, uh, has there been anybody at the house to see him within the last hour or so? No, no. No visitor. Too late. You call tomorrow, maybe. Yes? Mm. Goodbye. I checked with Mrs. Matthews once again to see if Matthews had returned yet. He was still missing. However, since my last call, the police had dropped in. They wanted to talk to him about pushing someone out of a window. Someone who'd driven away from the scene without leaving his name, address, or license number. You were with him, Mr. Stone. He couldn't have done it. Oh, yes. Utterly fantastic. Uh, you'd better try to get some sleep, Mrs. Matthews. I'll ring you if I locate him. Good night. I headed out toward Dr. Reichel's residence on the northwest side, wondering just how foolish I was not to send the police out instead. Matthews did more than just pass from mania to depression. He'd made the round trip. The doc had been looking for him, but now he could be looking for the doc. I stepped on the gas. It was quite a drive to Dr. Reichel's home. When I got there, it turned out to be a sizable estate with an impressive driveway turning through the moonlit grounds. The dark hulk of a battered sedan stood parked near the head of the walk that led to the veranda steps. 
I pulled up behind it. I got out, and I gave it the once-over. I touched the top of the radiator. It was still warm. A parade of maples lined the paved walk. Ahead, the house stood dark and still. I lifted my hand to the doorbell. Don't. Well, hello, Matthews. Kind of thought you might be around. What are you doing here, Mr. Stone? Now, when I hit the pavement, I kept bouncing until I finally landed out here. I hardly expected to find you quite the same as when I left you. Oh, I'm not. I'm smarter. Next time I get that gun you're holding, I'll know enough not to give it back to you. Next time? There isn't going to be a next time, Mr. Stone. Not for you or for your confederate, the doctor. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, you could be faking. I took the cartridges out of that thing once. Yeah, so you did. I might have forgotten to reload it. Why don't you try to take it away from me and find out? Well, come on. Is it loaded or isn't it? Make me show you. Well, uh, if I did, it might arouse the neighborhood, don't you think? You might not be able to hang around here waiting for Dr. Reichel. Yes, Mr. Stone, I've already thought of that, or you'd have been dead by now. Unless, of course, the gun isn't loaded. I'm willing to let you force me to show you. All you have to do is take one step toward me. Just one step, Mr. Stone. One single step. And you'll know the answer. Before I do, maybe you could give me some other answers. Answers to a few things I still don't understand. Indeed? What, for instance? Well, for one thing, I still don't understand just what good it'll do you to kill either Dr. Reichel or me. You know the answer to that. You and him both. I wish I did. He said he was my friend. That it would help me if I talked, so I told him. Then I saw him talking to the FBI man at the federal building, and I knew I'd made a mistake, that he betrayed me. If he had, would you be free now? Figure it out. I have. They're just waiting to round up some witnesses who saw me shoot Captain Claney. You're wrong, Matthews. You're dead wrong. Reichel hasn't told anyone, anyone at all, and he never will. Same goes for me. I only wish to heaven that were true, because if it were, I'd never have a better reason for killing you than now before you do have a chance to talk. But unfortunately, I'll never be sure that you haven't talked. Well, kill me. There's one thing you can be sure of. Star billing in an execution party. Really? But right now, it's you who are the star, Mr. Stone. Or maybe this gun isn't really loaded after all. Come on, find out. Give me an excuse for pulling the trigger. There he comes. Back. Against the wall. Stay where you are. Right there. A cold wind rustled the maples as the big car came to a halt at the head of the drive. Hidden by the trees, its lights blinked out. By the veranda rail, a dozen feet away, Matthews crouched, gun raised. The trees hid whoever it was coming up the walk as the moonlight and shadow danced among the leaves. Come on, Riker, come on. Keep coming, come on. Matthews. A little closer, a little closer. In another moment or two, his target would be out of the shadow of the trees into the bright moonlight. Matthews! Huh? Those uh, men with him. Who? Oh, uh, Hiding among the trees, see? They're moving. Where? where? There. Uh, that shadow there, and over there, and uh, over there. Can't you see them? Yes, yeah, yeah. They're covering him. He knows you're here. I'll kill him! They'll get you first. You haven't a chance. No, no, no! Drop that gun. Drop it. They'll never get me. Never, never! He thrust the gun to his own head and pulled the trigger six times before I ever got to him. They'll never get me. Nobody! But, Mr. Stone, 
You mean he was trying to ambush me with an empty gun? Yes, Doctor. Then he tried to blow out his brains with it. Oh, poor fellow. Looks to me like he's gone off his trolley, but for good. Look at him lying there, groveling in the dirt as though he were trying to hide. Or dig himself in. Yes, he's living a moment of the war all over again. Harlan, stop it. Stop it. Genusia, May 6, 1943. But how did you know? He told me. I guess Captain Claney got his revenge after all. What do you mean? Well, he shot Claney in the back and thought he got away with it. But look at him now. Oh, Mr. Stone. This whole nightmare in the poor fellow's mind started when he observed me making an inquiry at Army Information Headquarters here. I was trying to locate the one man who could cure him. Who? I, Captain Willard Claney, of course. What's that? But the reason I arrived here so late is that I've been wondering about looking for Matthews. I wanted to tell him that I finally succeeded. I found Claney. You mean that... The man's alive and well working in a bank in Spokane. I spoke to him tonight on long distance. Well, well, that's one for the book. Matthews must have just wounded him and then thought that he... Matthews didn't even hit him. He didn't hit him? Doc, doctor. Wait a minute. Harlan. I think he's aware. Harlan. Do you hear me? Doctor. Doctor Riker. Did you hear what I said? Huh? Captain Claney is alive. You didn't kill him. Do you understand? You did not kill him. You're lying. No, I can prove it to you. Now we can call him up. You can speak to him yourself. He's alive. No, I shot him. I shot him. You thought you shot him, Harlan, but you missed. You missed. No, no, I saw him drop. I saw him and he dropped. Oh, yes. Claney dropped all right, but not from your bullet. No. When I spoke to him on the phone tonight, he said that the only wound he received was a shell splinter in the chest. What, he doesn't even remember a sergeant named Harlan Matthews. What? You're joking. No, Harlan, it's the truth. It... I didn't kill him. I didn't kill him. <laughs> know the truth, and the truth shall set you free, huh, Doc? Well, for him, there's still a long, hard road ahead and plenty of work to do. But at least, Mr. Stone, we've reached the beginning. <laughs> Well, dawn is just around the corner and the city lights are going out street by street like the lights in some people's minds. Yes, they say the truth is a great mental healer. And I guess it is, if you can bear to face it. <laughs> okay, so let's face it. Copy, boy. You are listening to Nightbeat on the Wheaties' Big Parade. Whole wheat. Flakes of golden whole wheat. Sounds pretty good just like that, doesn't it? Everybody knows you need whole wheat, and Wheaties make a very nice way to get it. Breakfast time, lunch time, any time's the time for Wheaties. Easy, too. Just open the package, pour those flaky little flakes into a bowl, sugar them, cream them, and be happy. That's Wheaties you're eating. Breakfast of champions. Wheaties. Get some. Nightbeat, starring Frank Lovejoy, is produced and directed by Warren Lewis and edited by Larry Marcus. Tonight's story was written by Erwin Ashkenazi with music by Frank Worth. The part of Harlan Matthews was played by Jeff Corey. Jeanette Nolan was Mrs. Matthews and the doctor, Ben Wright. 
Listen next week at the same time and every week as Randy Stone searches through the city for the strange stories waiting for him in the darkness. And this is your Wheaties man, Frank Martin, inviting you to listen also on Tuesday, that's tomorrow night, to the premiere of the Penny Singleton Show on the Wheaties Big Parade. See you then. Nightbeat came to you from Hollywood. Stay tuned for Christopher London over most NBC stations. That's Nightbeat from May 29, 1950. Harlan Matthews stamp dealer starring Frank Lovejoy. And that was sponsored by Wheaties as heard on NBC. Remember, Lisa, when... Um, we first started this radio show. We were like thinking about names for it, and I was debating. I was kicking around calling this show the Nightbeat. Remember? Yeah, we were talking about that, which is a great name for the show. Although you know, now it could be nothing other than Hollywood Three Hundred and Sixty. Oh yeah, no, I'm glad <laughs> we called it Hollywood Three Hundred and Sixty because it fits really. Because we're all things entertainment, not just classic radio. We do games and fun and celebrity interviews and you know movie reviews with Sarah Adamson, and so. It's uh, it fits better with Hollywood 360, but I remember thinking, yeah, oh, it's it's a good name. Calling it, you know, you know, ripping off this this show that we just listened to and calling it Nightbeat. But I just always liked that name, I the like Nightbeat. You know, it's good. This was a good series. All right, uh, time for this month in music history. All right, well, I went back to 1969 with this song. Clarence Clearwater Revival. That's right. Credence. It's called Credence Clearwater CCR. Revival. But <laughs> Is it Credence? It's Credence Clearwater, Clearwater Revival. Revival. But right. you're very, very What did close. I say? Clarence or oh, Clearwater yeah, or something yeah. like that. CCR. <laughs> yeah, that'll do. Um, this was also covered by Ike and Tina Turner, released yes. two years later in 1971. But this one was a huge hit, number two on the charts in 1969. Remember Tina Turner doing it, sure. though, like on TV? And she yep. was shaking and doing that. Yeah. That's, that's how Man. she rolls. All right. Thanks, Lisa. Sure. More of Hollywood 360 in just a minute. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Next hour, it's a 1947 Classic radio Thanksgiving episode of Jack Benny. So don't miss that. Plus, we'll play Beat the Host, right? That's right. And we're going to be doing Thanksgiving trivia. Ah. So if you know a thing or two about Thanksgiving, or even if you don't, uh, give us a call right now. Play the game 312-642-5600. We're looking for caller number nine. Listen, don't be a turkey. Give good, us a call. Good one. Huh? Mm. Man, I'm, I'm on. You're I good. I'm really on Funny tonight. Funny stuff. Call us, 312-642-5600. Gobble, gobble. We'll be right back. Hi, everyone. This is Meredith from the Senior Fitness with Meredith podcast, where I discuss all things for seniors. From fitness, your health and wellness journeys, how to be all over strong and beyond, I also have my mini podcast called Motivation with Meredith. It's a great, quick, motivational pick-me-up for your days. 
Join me. Listen now. Search for Senior Fitness with Meredith on your favorite podcast platform.